Hello guys, welcome to the Manchester Football Social with Bloomy Rising. My name's Stephen McInerney, I'm joined by Alex Hilton and Sam Lee. How are you doing guys? Very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Yeah, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. I can see you both and you're both looking wonderful across the studio. We've got an hour of talk about West Ham, the Carabao Cup final. Don't forget as well, you are new to this, make sure you subscribe and you get all the Blue Moon Rising episodes every single week. Hello there guys, welcome back to the Manchester Football Social Show with Blue Moon Rising. My name is Stephen McInerney and we've got an hour of Manchester City chat. We're talking about the Carabao Cup, we're talking about the potential defensive crisis and we're talking about West Ham obviously. Uh, it's going to be a very good uh, show, we've got uh, loads of people to talk about. We've got Alex in the studio as well. Hi doing Steve, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm just so on a high start after the Carabao Cup final. I know, it feels good to be a blue right now. I'm so excited about the season um, ahead. We've still got to go. Still in the FA Cup, looking like we're going to be favourites to the Premier League and all the Champions League action. I can't wait, despite the fact that we've only got about <laughs> two defenders left in the squad. That will be all right. You can put on a pair of boots. And we've also got Sam Lee from Goal. What are we going to be discussing today, Sam? Oh, wow. I'm hoping to borrow a bit of Alex's energy for the rest of the show, to be honest. But, yeah... Um, I'm looking forward to looking looking at that West Ham game, to be honest, because after Pep's little gauntlet throwing down earlier on, it should be a big one. But obviously, plenty to discuss before that. Yeah, absolutely loads to discuss. But where else can we actually start other than the Carabao Cup final? All three of us in the studio were down at Wembley. It was an absolutely huge game of football. And I want to know what Blues think as well. Don't forget, you can get in touch on 0345-111-7625. And you can get involved in the text as well on 877 But Alex, I want to know, how important was this game now for the rest of the season? Because that kind of uh, word that no one wants to talk about, uh, the quadruple, uh, it's, it's been the first box has been ticked off there. How important is this now for the rest of the season? Well, I think it, I think it's very important. If you get a win a quadruple, you've got to win every trophy. We're, we're one quarter of the way there. Um, I, you know, I'm, I don't think it's uh, like, like I think some call it a gauntlet thrown down. You know, it, it's uh, it's a statement of intent. You know, you've got uh, we're starting to win trophies um, more and more and more, and every single one we pick up, there's that culture of winning that you breed into it. And how iconic was that picture that came? Came out. You had um, oh, yeah. David Silva, Fernandinho, Vincent Company. Uh, it sort of all stood together, go a lot with with a team. And uh, there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a spine of legends in this team of senior players that uh, that you know we're gonna the Premier League will remember it as like iconic greats. And that's the team that the the, the the basis team and they are winning stuff. But what's so exciting is that there's the players that shone for me were the younger players. It was Raheem Sterling scoring the winning penalty. It was Zinchenko playing so well and looking so assured. Um, and it shows the depth that we've got in the team. It shows that we are, we're capable of holding out when we weren't at our best throughout the match. That wasn't like a vintage Manchester City performance, but we're still, for, you know, we, we shot all the way throughout and we managed to be able to um, secure a winning and get our hands on a trophy. And I think it shows that we're looking more and more like winners and we look ready and so fresh to go on and win three more trophies this season. Well, I mean, Chelsea were good, man. I know this is a were good, weren't Chelsea they? were seriously good. Um, it was going to be a good day for Surrey as well until the unfortunate incident at the end, which, <laughs> to be fair, I mean, I'll, we might talk about Kepa in a bit if we've got the time, but from the other side of the coin, if Caballero had come on, he could have saved some of them pens. You know, That's we know what he's him. like as a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout. Um, Kepa's dancing around on the line, almost outfoxed Aguero, <laughs> but it outfoxed himself in the end because he dove over it. But, you know, Caballero wouldn't have, and that was, that was obviously a big moment for City, and like you say, it wasn't a great City performance, but... You know, City got control back. I think overall Guardiola was happy with how it went. And like I said, you can't, you can't ignore the fact that Chelsea, for what they did, were really, really good. And yeah, it's another challenge overcome. And then when you look at it in terms of momentum, Liverpool now struggled to a draw at Old Trafford, really, with that ragtag United team. 
what have they got now? One win in the last four Premier League games, and that's yeah. since they could have gone seven points clear if they'd have beaten Leicester. So I was in here after the Newcastle game when City lost up there, and it was all doom and gloom. Everyone expecting Liverpool to run away with it, and now it's just one point. So in terms of momentum and that kind of stuff, it was a big day for City. Do you think there's also something taken from it, the fact that City got through and it was quite a hard game in terms of, like, they have to show a different side of the carrots. We all know City these days is this kind of glorious, free-flowing football team. But the fact that they had to kind of dig this out against a Chelsea team that obviously had something to settle given the last time they met, do you think it means a little bit more because of that, you know, the fact that we showed another side to our team? Well, I mean, Guardiola, in the Champions League at least, he's talked about them needing to suffer in games. and Yeah especially in the group stages, because he thinks, I mean, this might have been a lie, and he might have been trying to put a positive spin on it at the time, but he says they've qualified too easily from the group stages, and when they come up against big teams in the latter stages, they don't know how to suffer. So in that respect, you know, they did suffer against Chelsea, but, you know, if, if Chelsea had had someone else other than Hazard running in behind them, then it, it could have been a, a completely different thing. So there's kind of pros and, pros and cons from the performance from City's point of view, but I mean, ultimately with the pens and, you know, it could have gone either way, but it didn't, you know. Jorginho yeah. did that penalty, assuming that no one's ever realised he does that. And, <laughs> you know, then you got someone like Sterling with everything that he goes through. And, you know, he did he miss a penalty at Leicester in the Carabao last season when he tried to chip it and it went over the bar? Yeah. And he stepped up, fifth penalty. And he put it in the top corner. I mean, that, you know, that's the kind of thing that you would take as the, the pros outweighing the cons from this game. Yeah, I was talking about Sterling on Twitter afterwards. And I also want to know what people think as well about Sterling's growth as a player. MCR40 Social, if you want to tweet us. But to me, that game, uh, it summed up the latest kind of like watershed moment for Sterling because we've all seen him grow over the past 18 months in particular. But in my opinion, there was absolutely no way he was going to stick up for the fifth penalty 18 months yeah. ago in a game of this kind of importance with the eyes of the world in and put it in the top corner. It was an absolutely fantastic moment. For me, I think it really summed up how far Sterling's come as a player. Oh, definitely, definitely. It- it was, it was do or die, wasn't it? You know, yeah. I, I, I remember thinking... I was it. nervous, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, <definitely>. So <laughs> was Carl Walker, did you yeah. see him? <laughs> Bloody hell. Walker was behind, you know, all the same oh, yeah, were the lined picture. up, and he was behind, he kind of picked up some grass, and I don't know if he ate it or smelled <laughs> it or something, and then he kind of, he just looked dead nervous, and then anyway, he tweeted afterwards, or his social media guy tweeted afterwards, that <laughs> Sterling saved him for having to take the sixth pen. But, yeah, sorry, to, to go back to Sterling, everyone was nervous, weren't they, big time? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think, you know, you, I, you could definitely see it, and I could see I could see the tweets, and I could see the headlines, and mm. I could see the sort of picture of Sterling with his hands on his head. And then before you know it, I was too busy sort of visualising it going over the bar or going wide, and it's in top bins, everyone's jumping up and down, you know. I think top it's, bins. Uh, and the way that he's developed as a player, and also as a person, and... Um, my big criticism, I remember talking about it a couple of years ago, was that um, Sterling wasn't a big game player. You know, and that was harsh when he was, you know, twenty one, sort of like twenty twenty one. But it felt like when we went to play Liverpool and all the eyes were on him, he sort of disappeared a little bit. And going off to the Euros and you know playing for England, and he sort of withered away a little bit. And he was still a very young player, and the time has grown. But he, he is now a big game player, and he almost sort of revels in the attention, and he's he's taken ownership of it. And the way that he reacted to um, what happened at Chelsea and the racism and all the things yeah. that the press been saying about him. It, he's become such um, an iconic player on the pitch and his performance is a bit better than ever, but also as a role model. And, and, and part of that is stepping up and being a bit of a leader in the team. And, and all the experienced players that we've got there, he's still one of the youngest players on the pitch. You go, yeah, I'll take the fifth pen. Yeah, I'll take the pressure. You know, I'll take that moment. And you want to see that in your players. And for all the people, time people call our players mercenaries, they've got an awful lot of character and an awful lot of desire about them. And it's, 
he's such a fun player to follow as a fan. He's such a fun player because he just keeps giving, he keeps giving, and he's more. He adds a little bit every single week. Where do you reckon he is in terms of the the best players in the league? Oh, top three, that's a big top question. Five? Uh, consistently up there, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, well, to me, he's outperformed. About as the best player in Europe a few months ago. I, I, to me, he's outperformed Hazard this season, and yeah. I say that with someone who absolutely loves Hazard, and I think he's probably playing slightly better in terms of uh, relative level than the likes of Salah. You know, I think he's he's definitely up there in the top five, if not the top three, because the form, the goals, the assists, his record is absolutely phenomenal, isn't he? he seems to be averaging a goal or assist every single game. Uh, in terms of form. You could make a very good chance to say that he's the best player in the league at the moment, yeah. and it's it's very tight, obviously. Uh, but you know, for me, I, I can't see past him really. I mean, he, he could, he could get player of the year. I mean, oh, imagine that the redemption of that. Yeah, it, it what, would, it would. Not needed redemption, but still. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, exactly. And this goes back to what Alex was saying about you know the criticism of not a big game player. It feels incongruous to say Raheem Sterling is the best player in the league. People instinctively laugh at that because it's just Sterling. Like <laughs> it, it just sounds weird because of like the years of uh, it's kind of abuse and downplaying that he's always had. And you know his first season at City under Pellegrini wasn't great and and all of that. But yeah, he is now blossoming into. And he's not he's not a kid anymore, is he? He's no. a, he's a man now. He's grown and as well as pe- pe- like yeah. people's expectations are changing. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely do think he is up there. He, he may well be the best player in the league at the moment, and obviously. What's going to decide that is how he finishes the season because obviously City got this mad amount of games. Um, but unfortunately, the PFA voting is in about two weeks, so it's probably going to become too early for that. But you never know if the football writers decide to give it him, that'll be reasonably ironic, wouldn't it? That would be absolutely uh, immense. But Speaking one person, to somebody who doesn't vote, <laughs> don't you vote, Sam? No, oh, why not? You don't vote at all. No idea. I, I, I don't think goal are part of. The industry. Oh, get Sam, get Sam on the vote. Hashtag get Sam involved in the vote or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Have mine anyway. Yeah, well, there we go. Sam's it's a good bag. Uh, speaking of someone who's blossoming, absolutely loads. Um, it felt like a coming of age performance once again for Zinchenko. This is a man who's been relatively maligned with performances at left back. Uh, and for me, this was a game where he showed how much um, he takes responsibility in his own performances. And he showed why Guardiola loves him so much. We're going to go back to Sam again here because Sam was at the press conference today and he was so complimentary Guardiola of Zinchenko, wasn't he? He talked about him being a role model essentially yeah well, really annoyingly um i asked him about asinchenko about two weeks ago expected him to do that and he just went yeah he's all right he's been good <laughs> and then he was asked about him today and he just like, flew off the handle saying how good he was it, it was really similar to the bernardo silver praise from the Schalke press conference last week and he said uh, he actually said most of the players when they don't play they show him how disappointed they are the next day you know in terms of body language and being moody or whatever but then when it comes to the next game they're all smiling and happy and they want to prove to him that they can play. But he says, Zinchenko is always, always, always positive, even if he's left out. And he said that is the reason why he's playing so well. So again, in terms of sending messages to his squad, that was a big one again because players are going to be rotated out. They're going to need to come in. If you look at the injuries, which we'll talk about later on, Mares, I guess, is going to have to come in tomorrow night to kind of take the burden off people. Sane as well. And as mad as it sounds, and we didn't really expect it, you know, Zinchenko is the role model in that sense. And in terms of not expecting it, I heard last week that obviously we knew he was going to go to Wolves and that fell through. Yeah. Um, and we knew that he rejected it. But basically, Cheeky was Cheeky was saying, look, I've spoke to Pep, it's all done, you're going to Wolves, 15 million or whatever. And he went, no, I want to stay here. 
He went, no, it, it, it's done. <laughs> wolves, wolves are expecting you there. They're getting, you know, it's all agreed. You've got to go. I, like I spoke to Pep and he was like, no, I want to stay here. I've got a future here. Are you saying you refused the transfer, like Kepa refused the substitution, essentially? <laughs> uh, yes, that is, I think that's exactly what happened, yeah. But at least it worked out for Zinchenko. I don't know if it's going to work out for Kepa. You've got to love, <laughs> maybe not, you've got to love that attitude from Zinchenko, though. I like, is there an argument now to say that maybe he's potentially solved some kind of left-back problem? Or is it one of those things where he's kind of peaking and he's, he's having this kind of uh, level that maybe he can't reach? But to me, it seems like his game has changed over the past couple of months. Yeah, definitely. I think he's, he's adapted to his role. And, uh, you know, some people will say, well, people... Uh, there was a lot of talk over the weekend from both uh, journalists and supporters on, online talking about how well Zinchenko did considering he's playing out of position. Yeah. But I'm not really sure that he is playing out of position because I think he's sort of changed, he's shifted, he's adapted. And we've seen it a few other times in the league with sort of more experienced players like Valencia at United has been playing left-back for like four or five years now. And I think it's happening more and more. But also, no one under Pep Guardiola plays in a position anymore. No one plays... <laughs> you know, even Edison sort of fills in at centre-half or right-back. And it's, you sort of feel like with Zinchenko that he's he's found himself a little bit, he's found his voice as a player. What I love to see about Zinchenko is you see him dictating to the more senior players, uh, despite the fact that he's only played 25, 30 senior games for the club. And I think as a left-back, maybe he has solved that problem. I would love to see us say, yeah, Zinchenko should be part of the first-team squad next year and we're not going to go and spend 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 million on the flavour of the month that comes from Spain or Germany or the Premier League and we're going to develop somebody in-house. And I think... The City Football Group has put an awful lot of effort into developing young players and, and bringing players through. And it would be really nice now if we set the precedent and we said, look, Sinchenko and Foden are part of the first team squad and they are serious members of the squad and they are up there for selection. And Sinchenko is a big part of that. If he can make that breakthrough, he could be the first one in this new age that's really made an impact on the senior team. He's won three trophies. <laughs> Almost like a like a new Larm kind of project. Obviously, you know, near the level, you Kimmich-esque in terms of you turn a player into a different position. And to me, he really kind of sums up the current spirit of this Manchester City side as well. Not only is he uh, incredibly hardworking, he seems like a really nice guy as well. He seems we've got a few in the dressing room now, that, uh, which will obviously help towards that kind of forbidden word, the quadruple. I know loads of people are probably terrified right now hearing that. But to me, I want to know really what you guys reckon on the idea that Guardiola probably starting to consider this as a possibility. Like, do you think, I know you're denying it in public and rightfully so, but a small part of him must be high in this and thinking, it is possible, even if he says it isn't. Yeah, well, he's going for it, certainly. I mean, you look at the games, the teams he's played in the FA Cup and that, you know, that speaks for itself. But when he was talking about Fernandinho being out today, he was like, oh yeah, he's probably going to be out too after the international break. He went, oh, well, we could risk him against Swansea. What, what on earth would you rush back the most important player in the squad for a, a cup game against a championship team when you can give him another, you know, the international break, you know, 10 days, give him that off, send him on holiday somewhere and have him back like proper fit for the proper full real quiz running. Uh, but that just goes to show how, ser how seriously he is taking it. And, you know, it'd be mad not to think it's possible because they've got a pretty forgiving draw against Swansea the only particularly difficult team left in it are United. But, you know, that game against Wolves is difficult for them as well. The Premier League is there to be won. As Guardiola said today, it's in Liverpool's hands, but it's in City's hands too, because they can keep putting the pressure on. They can just be there, be there, be there, keep winning. The other ones are Champions League. I don't think Guardiola thinks they can win it. Um, I agree with him as well. But who is going to win it? There's no standout. There is, there is no massive Real Madrid team like there has been recently. So... 
yeah, I'm sure Guardiola thinks it's possible, but obviously he's going to be asked about it every week and obviously he's going to say, let's not talk about it. But he must think it is because he's really, really going for it. I mean, you know the ins and outs of Pep Guardiola better than anyone, you know, better than his wife sometimes, I think, so you should certainly know everything that is. <laughs> Do you throw some weird rumour here? With, um... <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> you heard it here first, I've, Alexis Munch. I believe no, it confirm um, nor deny. <laughs> but, but with that, I think there's a sort of, sort of difference in the way, I mean, we as fans talk about the quadruple, but I think Pep probably looks at it differently, I think, from the noises that he seems to make, is it's less about the quadruple and more about trying to win every competition. Yeah, yeah. And somebody made a great point, um that we are the bookies' favourite in every competition. If you look at the odds, and you tell, well, the FA Cup, we are the favourites. The Premier League, we are the favourites. In the League Cup, we, you know, the favourite. Is the, so we are there. It's just about sort of putting them away one by one and not talking about winning a quadruple and just winning every single game that we play. Yeah, the, the difficulty is there are so many of those games, aren't there? And yeah. that, that run of, was it Palace away, Spurs, United, Burnley away, and all the Champions League games in there as well. It's just... Are they going to fly too close to the sun? Because they really could do this, but at the same time, if they get a load of injuries, if there's a load of tiredness, it could come back to bite them. But everyone's talking about tiredness now. And look at that video of Aguero in training yesterday, laughing and dancing <laughs> around. He is not a man who looks tired. Yeah. The rest of them, they would have been tired last season. They've, they're, yeah, to an extent, used to it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're thinking, bring it on. Anyway, guys, we've got to take a short break. And after that, we'll be talking about City's current defensive crisis. They're dropping like flies. No Laporte, no Stones, and loads more to come in the future. We'll see you shortly. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Hello, welcome back to the Manchester City Football Social. I am live in the studio with Sam Lee from Goal.com and Steve McInerney. We are talking all things City. Now, moving on. Defensive crisis. Are we in trouble? Manchester City have got absolutely shed loads of injuries, it feels like. John Stones is out. Danilo is back, but uh, Fernandinho is gone. Uh, Laporte is gone. It sort of feels a little bit like we're running a bit thin. Games are getting thick and fast. How are we going to cope, Stephen? Um, I'm terrified. I'm generally terrified. Now, so to me, it's mainly the Fernandinho thing. I feel like one of those teams that's lucky to say that our backup centre-halves are company and Otamendi. I know they're injury, well, one of his injuries in particular, but still, they're on a level that most people would dream to have as a reserve. So on that front, given the games we've been coming up, I'm not too worried. It's more the Fernandinho issue. And also when you combine that with some, I guess, questionable form of some of the midfielders, which I think is a fair comment in terms of David Silva. And even De Bruyne is not really sparkling yet. For me, it's the Fernandinho thing. I think mean, that's the one thing that Man City fans largely were terrified of actually happening 
and it's come to happen, which is going to happen at some point this season. I think we were all prepared for that, and it's happened again for the second time. Um, I still don't fully buy into the idea that this should be the defining moment. I think in general, the teams are playing. Uh, we had to play a backup midfield of Gundogan at number six, and then even then, if we didn't play De Bruyne or Silva, we still play Bernardo and someone like Foden or something like that. Most teams still would love to have that as their second choice, or even their first choice, sorry. So... I'm not going to sulk too much, but it is a concern because obviously these players are absolutely fundamental, especially the centre-backs because Vinny, you know, he's, he's a bit dodgy. You know, his knees and all that, they're not quite there these days. So you do worry that he could pick up an injury and he could be out for some time. And then after that, who would it be? Would it be Kyle Walker at centre-back? Would it be Eric Garcia getting a, a unscheduled promotion to the first team? I'm a little bit nervous personally. Yeah, well, the thing with Fernandinho is he's the shield, isn't he? Yeah. I think there's some stats this season that show that he's had even more work to do this season than last. So for whatever reason, teams are like getting through City's press a bit more. But at least Fernandinho's been there to sweep it up. And then he wasn't there, obviously, against Palace and Leicester, and we saw what happened. And then you think Otamendi's improvement came when he was in such a defined structure that he never really got isolated. Because on the odd occasions he does get isolated, he still chucks himself in, doesn't he? Yeah. And company, once a game, will get skipped past and just stick his big right leg out and trip someone up. <laughs> so if they're, if both of them are playing together and they get isolated, there's going to be a few hairy moments for City. And I think there's a good chance of both of them getting booked in every game they play until Fernandinho well, is back. Good, isn't it? But that is, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. And this is the situation City are in now where you know the stakes are so high, everyone's just going to have to put their bodies on the line. But I do wonder, actually, if Guardiola might try something different tomorrow. I mean, I've got no inside information about this at all, but uh, the way that Danilo came on in midfield the other day, but it was kind of like Gundogan doing the, the legwork with the passing and Danilo just there for support. I wonder if you might find a way to do that and still keep the attacking threat, but just have a bit more solidity in midfield and a bit more protection for the defence. Uh, I think, you know, given Guardiola try so many of these different things and this this is such a crunch time of the season. I wonder if that might be a way to get around it because it's it's not ideal really being without Fernandinho. But the good thing is the fixtures are pretty forgiving. That, that fixture list I met, mentioned earlier about Palace and Spurs and that, if that was now, I think it would be in big trouble. But, you know, West Ham, Bournemouth, Watford, Fulham, that kind of thing, maybe not quite as bad as it could have been. I mean, to me, the slight concern maybe is we've got these injury stories. Actually, Schalke, because that game isn't over, you know? Like, uh, that's far from, I know we definitely favourites Man City, our favourites for that, unquestionably. But if you've got an ageing, you know, pair of centre backs, one potentially injured all of a sudden, and nothing and Dino's dropping to, that's where I'm actually worried. I feel like I'm with Sam in terms of it's a relatively forgiving fixture list, but it is that Schalke game because that's yeah. kind of. And Ottomendi's banned as well, isn't he? Is it? Oh, 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 oh I'm terrified. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that entirely, but... Stick Eric Garcia in. Eric Garcia... Do you know what? I wouldn't be against that, would you reckon? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I think, first off, it's the Premier League, so we, we seem to have written off, you know, West Ham and Bournemouth and so on. But yeah, yeah, no, it is these points difficult, taken, These teams have taken points off us in the past. Um, particularly that Champions League game, you know, we're, we're hoping we might see uh, Stones come back. There's you know, yeah. Fabian Delft can sort of fill in at those points and... You know, you might start seeing like Danilo play at right back and Walker play at centre back at some sort of wheel cobbled together makeshift team. With, with Ilkay Gundogan, I think um, hot take. You don't think he is a number six? I think people get him confused quite a lot because he's a, a midfielder that can put a tackle in. Doesn't make him a defensive midfielder if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. And I think that um, whilst he's certainly capable of playing that position because he is a very good footballer, he is. Um, not going to fulfil the same role that Fernandinho plays, so, you know. And Sam called him a shield earlier, Fernandinho. I think he's, I think he's irreplaceable. There's, 
two or three players in the league. Um, you know, the others being like Kante, I think really is the, maybe Matic on a good day, but it, those are the players, there's very, very few of those players that, that work the way Fernandinho does. It's almost, you know, like almost like a different position, really, like a unique, like a midfield sweeper. You know, it's incredible what Fernandinho does. So to try and bring somebody in to replace him, um, like you said, Danilo and Gundogan shared that responsibility, but it feels like we're running out. And as much as I would like to see Eric Garcia or Philippe Tandela come in, that Schalke game, that's going to be where you find out what you're made of. And it is going to be a, men, a men and boys game because that's going to be a team that have qualified for the last 16 in the Champions League that are going to go all out. They've got nothing to lose away at the Etihad and will throw it at them. And they are, you know, we like to write off German teams as organised and defensive, but they, they've got goals in them, that, you know, and they'll punish you. And, and even before that, you know, you look at West Ham, they've got pace in the team. What if Antonio turns company inside out because mm. there's no one there to stop him? Yeah. You know, and as much as I love Vincent Company, everything he brings to the team, he's not the quickest and, you know, he's got legs made of jelly sometimes. You think, like, well, yeah, I, it's a bit to worry about. And, and here's the thing, is everyone loves to say about Manchester City? They love to say, oh, they've got all this depth and they've got they've got two teams and they've bought every player and they've bought the league, but we're a very vulnerable team. And, and every time it gets to this time of the season, you know, we've been in this situation before where suddenly we're, we're two or three suspensions away I'm going, hang on a minute, we haven't got any players left. Can we moan though, really? Because we are kind of being victims of our own success. You know, oh, we can definitely moan. <laughs> we can definitely moan. Of course we can moan. We're Man City fans. We can we moan. Can. That's what we do best. And that's why I'm proud of us. But yeah, we definitely... I mean, realistically though, I mean, it's one of those like, oh, well, you're there, tiny valley and that because you're winning so many games. So we're playing this many games because we're really good, essentially. And we wouldn't be having all these injuries if we didn't have this, like, you know, trocker schedule. So I do I share the concerns... But I feel like it's one of those where it, it's just, it comes with the territory. It's one of those things that we have to accept. I mean, it doesn't make it any easier, uh, but it is just kind of life as a top team. And the thing is, for me, is like, I'm wondering now is, are we, should we be prepared mentally for potentially dropping some points? Because you look at the teams, you know, like we were playing, obviously West Ham, they're a decent team. Philippe Anderson's a good player. We'll get onto them more later on, obviously. Uh, they've got Antonio, who's had a lot of pace out wide. Um, and Bournemouth away, I don't really share the idea that it's going to be totally easy. Then, you know, Watford are a decent team. We can knock it about a little bit. Can, can either of you see us, like, uh, slipping up a little bit in one of these games? Well, it's always, it's always possible, but no. <laughs> no, because, I mean, look, on the other side of the coin is you've got loads of players who are who really good and they are fit. Um, like I said, Aguero doesn't seem tired whatsoever. Uh, the good thing is, well, he scores loads of goals at home, not so many away, but he got loads of home games, so that'll fit together quite nicely. Sane is still to come in. Mares could even, you know, turn his season around, make the big contribution that he was hoped to make. Sterling, we were talking about earlier, that's just the, the forward line. De Bruyne, we'd like to think, is getting sharper and fitter. David Silva's off form at the moment, but, you know, people are saying, oh, it's his age or whatever, but we had that with Fernandinho in the first few weeks of the season and he's been excellent ever since. He's also off form by the standards of David yeah, Silva. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's Bernardo as well, who is, who's just doing everything at the minute and maybe he'll get a night off tomorrow night and he'll be ready to go again at the How's weekend. his foot, by the way? Well, he, he didn't get mentioned today by Guardiola in, in terms of being injured. Um, not that that necessarily means anything. He did, he did limp slightly out of Wembley the other day. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play tomorrow, but came back at the weekend and, yeah. and was all right. Um, just because he probably needs as time off as much as anyone else. But this this is what I'm, I'm getting at. You know, in terms of all that quality in the attacking third, that's probably the, probably one of the best ways to go around the problems in defence. 
could just it be, take it to them. Could it be Foden's chance to shine? Maybe because, I mean, sometimes you get a silver lining where a young player gets a chance. I mean, we talked about Eric Garcia as well. It could be one of those two lads now that uh, steps up. And, uh, yes, the amount of young players you t- tend to make their name because someone gets injured and they get this unexpected chance all of a sudden. It, could it be Foden's time? Oh, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? And I think that one of the more exciting ways of dealing with the problem and um, uh, the lack of players at the back or the lack of players at the back would be to go back to Guardiola's sort of plan and policy when he first came to the club of, well, we'll just not let anybody else have the ball and we'll try to have 80% possession. Let's go and play a load of lovely players who can play football. And Phil Foden's one of those. And I think between sort of uh, Foden, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, for example, you've got three players there that are all capable of putting a challenge in. They all do the legwork, they all do the running, but also at their absolute best with the ball at their feet. And you think, well, we're more than capable of playing at home against West Ham and playing against Bournemouth and so on, and having 75% of the ball um, and outscoring these teams, which is, I think, is my solution to this problem. And I would love to see it with the rotation, the number of games we've got. Surely you've got to see Foden get some Premier League minutes. Well, there's a lot of criticism, actually, from, well, I say a lot, I definitely saw a subsector of Twitter who were a bit critical about Pep's decision not to bring Foden on in the cup final, especially as the fourth substitution, because he did essentially put uh, someone who's not a midfielder in midfield. I know Danilo's very flexible and has got years of experience, but a lot of people thought, even out of loyalty to Foden, given the fact that he did kind of help get us there, you know, same with Mewich, but more so Foden in terms of as a midfield player, um, uh, People were saying maybe that was the chance to, you know, move Gundogan a little bit deeper, bring Foden on. Uh, to me, I can understand this with Danilo, but uh, do you think it's fair criticism that uh, you know that Pep's got for not playing Foden in that game? Um, yeah, um, <laughs> no, one, yes. no, 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 no. We're splitting um, the studio. That, yeah, that yes was was agreeing. Um, oh, okay, there's been times where Foden could have come on, but it's like, well, the game was still in a precarious situation, and that game was in a precarious situation, and he. At the moment, well, it, for a start, he's not a defensive midfielder, so fine. Maybe he yeah. could have come on further up. But he's talked recently about his defensive side of his game needing to improve. And against Chelsea playing like that on the break, that was an issue. But Guardiola actually talked about it today in the press conference. And whether you want to choose to believe him or not, sounds legit to me. He said he brought Danilo on because he's quite tall. And especially with the set pieces, yeah, you can't have Foden marking David Luiz or whoever at a Chelsea corner he was saying the Chelsea players are massive compared to the City players and he had to think about the set pieces and that's one of the reasons he, he went with Danilo and I mean that makes complete sense I remember a few years ago um, you know, I think United got a bad injury and they took off Raphael like straight away and put Berbatov on something like that just because purely for the set pieces and that is a completely legit reason and yeah it's, it, it is a bit of a shame for Foden that he didn't come on but this wasn't a game that City were walking this yeah. is this was a difficult game, and yeah, maybe could have thrown a bit of caution to the wind, but yeah, the set pieces, that that other than the counter attack was Chelsea's only hope. And late in the game, those kind of free kicks happen, so it makes sense to me. Yeah, and also this idea that Guardiola owes Foden something. No, as much as we all love to see Foden get in a city shirt and get on the pitch, he doesn't deserve a place in the team just because he's Phil Foden. He deserves a place because he's the best person. He's a stop putting the Esther man. Put some respect on his name. Yeah. He's got 15 years for that. Yeah. yeah, he's got absolute loads. And I think it's fair to say that uh, Foden is going to be a big part of the team. And also, a quick point there, we're actually looking at a situation where we've got Danilo as our backup midfielder, a man who's won Champions League and all that kind of stuff. We're pretty lucky. But anyway, guys, that's the end of part two. We'll be back after the break talking Manchester City and West Ham. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. You are listening to the Manchester Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Plenty still to get through tonight, and if you want to contribute, you can call us on 0345 117625, text us on 87711, and of course get in touch on Twitter at MCR Footy 
social. I'm with Steve McInerney and Alex Hilton. But to kick straight off, we have got ex-City and West Ham player Mark Ward on the phone. Mark, how's it going, mate? Good evening, boys. I'm OK, mate. I'm OK. Good, man. Right, to get straight into this, what do you, what do you make of City at the moment? Is the quadruple on? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It's got to be, hasn't it? You know, great results of the weekend. Tough game. You know, come out with a few injuries. But West Ham will be a test tomorrow. I've seen quite a lot of them this season. I was down at the Fulham game on Friday. I've seen them draw with Liverpool and beat Arsenal. So, you know, they've got some dangerous players. Yeah, plenty of cause for concern now. Any City fans listening to this might be a bit worried now. Um, what what do you reckon is West Ham's biggest threat then going into the game, seeing as you've seen them so closely? Well, an out of it was on fire early doors and then he had a problem over you know, going to China and things like that. But he was on the bench on Friday evening, which was a surprise. Uh, but he come on and made a goal and I think he was just saving him for the, mm. you know, the game tomorrow because uh, he, is, he is a handful and uh, he's the main threat, really. They could keep, keep him quiet. I think City knows he'd win the game. Mark, how are you? Um, are you feeling about the idea of like ex City players and managing going back to back to the Etihad? In terms of we got a Pellegrini, Zabra, and Nasri, how much of an influence on the game could that actually have? Well, I think Nasri, I've been told by a good source, would probably start tomorrow. And, oh. uh, back. He was on the bench Friday. Mm. Come on, was influential. Very, very good player. Been out a long time. Uh, Lanzini, don't think he'll start. I think he'll be on the bench. But an out of it will definitely start. And, uh, you, know, it's, it, it, you know, it's a big thing when you go back to your club, uh, the manager and, and different players, and you always want to do well. But, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just open city in the league. I can't have uh, the best side of the winning that. I'm a blue through and through. And, uh, you know, blue sticking together. Well, they think they haven't won at Christmas, didn't they, when they were so, much, so far ahead. And uh, I was a Man United supporter at the weekend. Uh, <laughs> sorry to say, but, you know, I backed them to win 1-0. And I, I watched the game with a lot of my me, uh, me nose mates. <laughs> and uh, their faces, uh, you know, after the draw, they know that they're not firing on all cylinders at the moment. Liverpool, you know, they've had a few draws. And uh, it's just a pity City's just got a few injuries, but they've got a big squad. And, and, and I think uh, they'll be too powerful for them. Speaking of City uh, Balfour, obviously with us the end tomorrow, what's the West Ham strategy going into this game? Do you think they're going to sit back or they're going to get, try and get involved and make the most of Nazarene and Alkovic and so on? Well, I think they've got to be positive because uh, if you sit back, you know, you're there to be shot at with City. And I think, you know, with the players that they've got, they've got very, very attacking minded players. So, you know, that was Pellegrini and he is quite, you know, uh, he's that way and he's, you know, he's got a bit of stick. They won five on the bounce in December. I know the opposition wasn't great, but uh, at the dodgy January, got knocked out the cup. But, uh, you know, the West Ham players will be up for this this, this game because they're, they're playing against the champions and the uh, potential champions. Mark, I'm sure you would have seen the game on Sunday, and even if not, you'll have probably seen it since. But in your playing career, did you ever see anything like Kepa versus Sarri at the weekend? <laughs> No, the only thing I could ever come near, and it's just come to me now, was when uh, we played Forrest and uh, Gary Tosby had the ball off uh, Dibble's hand. Yeah. I played in that game, and <laughs> Howard Kendall went absolutely ballistic uh, <laughs> on the side because, oh. you know, he was blaming Dibs, but at the, at the end of the day, it was one of them things. And when you look at it, it's, it is quite funny. He was hiding behind him and just nodded it off his hand. Uh, 
I don't think Dibbs played much, played much after that. Uh, he was playing because Tony Cope was injured, but um, I was fuming. And I think, you know, something like that, you're disrespecting the manager, the club and your players. And, uh, you know, it, obviously, I don't think it affected the results because the penalties, City were far, far superior in the penalties. Yeah, nobody's really buying the excuses afterwards, are they, about the whole misunderstanding? No, that's just sound. That's glossing over it, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, he refused to come off the pitch, and uh, yeah, I think it was a it was a similar sort of thing in, in Palace, wasn't it? Someone wanted to take a penalty, and the managers yeah. asked him, yeah, oh, it? "Yeah, I think it was Palace." I don't, I'm not too sure. Well, wow, Mara's uh, Anfield. Mara's Anfield took yeah, it off Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you know, I was on penalties at City, and uh, no one else wanted to take him. And, Just before we wrap up as well, mate, I'm going to have to ask you this question. I know you've got kind of torn loyalties here. Which way do you see the game tomorrow? Which way is, which way is it going to go tomorrow? Um, I think I think City will win. I think it'll be tough, though, because uh, West Ham have got some good players and uh, they're all back fit now. Declan Rice has been building to midfield. Fabianski has been really good since he signed. And uh, I just think it'll be a test for City. If City score early goals, I think we can go on and, and win two or three, you know? But I'm looking forward to seeing a couple of my old teammates, David White and Clive Allen as well. I'll be with them tomorrow. I heard as well you're on, yeah, you're on City Square ahead of the game, is that right? Yes, yes. I'm on City Square. I've done it a few times. Really enjoy it. I think it's a fantastic uh, place to go and uh, you always get looked after. Mark, you're an absolute hero. Thanks for calling, mate, and we'll sure we'll speak to you soon. Oh, no problem. Thanks very much. Uh, don't forget you can check out uh, Mark as well on City Square so get down nice and early before the game so you get him he's an absolute legend but guys let's go on to the actual game then because this is going to be an absolutely huge game of football um, and it's obviously kind of laced with kind of nostalgia and story given the fact that Zabaleta Nasri, Pellegrini are all returning uh, to all playing against Manchester City at the Etihad tomorrow um, and it's going to be a huge game how do you see it going? Well it feels like it should be a charity match with all these sort of ex-players coming back you know it's um testimonial vibes but you know what I think it'll be a great atmosphere um, we never really got to properly say goodbye to Nasri as a player and um, Pablo Zabaleta will get a big round of applause and Pellegrini will get a big welcome um, and it will be a weird atmosphere I'm sure for those players because um, I'm sure they'll be rooting for City to win the league but they're slick pros and, and as Mark was talking about on the line there's an awful lot of talent in that West Ham team and they've got a few players there that can hurt you and Arnautovic offers something a little bit different we were talking before the break about City struggling for options at uh, defence. You know, a big physical forward like on out of it, it will give it a few issues. And um, it's one to be wary of. But ultimately, you know, it's a side of the bottom half of the Premier League. We, we, we've done really, really well this year in terms of just grinding results out, even when it has been a little bit difficult for us on Wednesday nights. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling calm and confident. We'll go back to the press conference because Sam kind of hinted at it earlier. But if you haven't heard, Pellegrini was sorry, Pellegrini Guardiola was absolutely on fire in the press conference. He, he basically set himself up for a bit of a fall potentially. Now Sam will obviously fill you in a little bit more on this, but he was really fired up, wasn't he, Sam, about this game ahead of it? Yeah, like unbelievably so. Really, normally he doesn't. Normally, like basically, he doesn't write the headlines for you. You know, you've got to work hard with Guardiola. But he was, he was saying today and. 
bear in mind that he spent all his time, you know, going out in the Champions League to Monaco a couple of years ago. But he was saying, yeah. "Look, we wanted we wanted to play attacking football, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And it's all about that. He actually said, "I don't care about the way we want to play. I just want to see from the players. I want to smell in the dressing room. I want to get that sense that they're ready to." to win this title they're ready to fight for the title he says they can you know forget about tiredness and not have any excuses and all this kind of thing that went on for about a minute and a half two minutes just that in itself and then he finished off by saying to the press you can ask me after the game if I've seen anything special in terms of this team winning the title and you know that for, that for Guardiola is is really rare so it ties into what we were saying before look there's all these reasons West Ham have got you know decent options to hurt City but the flip side of it is Guardiola was set up this tremendous challenge of not just winning, but putting it all on the line, really, not feeling like they've got any excuses in terms of tiredness or little niggles. It's go out onto the pitch and give it 100%. And, you know, with how well City start games, particularly at home, yeah, that will be a big, big thing for City. So, yeah, Guardiola, he has left the players under absolutely no illusions. They need to win. Where do you think this came from, though? Because as you said, it's very rare to get that kind of reaction from Guardiola. Do you think he's just simply motivated? Thinking, is it p- possible that he's seen something there in the players that he thinks he maybe needs to say this to get a reaction out of them? Possibly. Possibly he's thinking, look, after the after the Cup game, because last year after the Carabao Cup, they went to Arsenal, didn't they, on, yeah. the, on the Thursday With night? Yeah, as well, actually. And, yeah, and... Um, but that that kind of takes care of itself. You know, all the players are focused on a big game against Arsenal away from home. Yeah. This one, maybe they're just, you know, maybe he's worried they're, they're dwelling a little bit on, on the success at the weekend or, yeah, the injury situation or just a bit of tiredness. And he just wants to make sure there are no excuses and there are no reasons for this game to go against City. And just maybe he thinks they need that extra uh, 10% or 20% or whatever, whatever percent because West Ham, as we've kind of gradually discovered throughout the hour... They've got these really good players who are yeah. especially good on the counter-attack. And, yeah, I'm sure he's worried about it as much as any City fan is. They're a weird one, West Ham, because they've shown uh, moments this season where they've been really good, obviously. Like, they're ninth in the table, and before they beat Fulham, but then they drew at Palace and Liverpool. They got some points off Liverpool against us. But then they also got, like, tonked by Wolves. They got beat by Bournemouth, but then they beat Arsenal before that. So, essentially, they're a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team. You never know which one's going to turn up. But they've got the players, haven't they, when you think about it? Like, so Declan Rice, you know, Philippe Anderson. They've obviously got the ex-City lads as well. I don't really kind of buy into the idea that this is going to be a, an easy game for yeah, it'll be a battle, won't it? Yeah, it'll be a battle. Uh, and given the fact that you got Sabaletti potentially lining up as well, yeah. I'm absolutely that that tears my heart right down the middle because I, I don't ever want to see Zabaleta lose. But tomorrow, I, I want to see him going. You want to oh, see Sad. Sane give him a torrid? Yeah, I really do. I mean, how are you seeing this going? Well, it's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, and equally, like I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. The, the, it's quite easy to go as we did at the start of the hour to go. Oh, it's just little old West Ham. So yeah, we can put those away. But then they're ahead of the two places ahead of Everton in the league. And I think if we're coming up against Everton, I think you still think Everton is like a top six, top yeah, eight yeah. side. And you go, oh, that's a big game mm-hmm. that is. And you know, and they've outperformed them this season. Um, yes, it, it is. It is tough seeing Zabaleta, but Zabaleta's not the player that he used to be. And yeah. dare I say, and arrest me uh, against the Manchester City <laughs> police, but he's probably a weak link to be exploited. Oh, you can't be saying that, Alex. Sane and Sterling running at him, or if it's Bernardo Silva or whoever, the pace in our team. And um, it'll be a feisty one. And they've only won one in the last five in the league, West Ham. So it's a, it's a good time to play West Ham. And they are a team that blow hot and cold. And hopefully tomorrow they're going to... Uh, 
most blow lukewarm. How are we all seeing the midfield going? Because obviously we've got, you know, no Fernandinho there. There are question marks about David Silver's form and Kevin De Bruyne. For me, I, I'm kind of hoping that we... I want, I want to see Gundogan take a little bit deeper. I really would like uh, the energy of Foden. I don't think it's going to happen, but I genuinely think there's a very strong case for Foden being involved in because well, he's going to have boundless energy. Um, I think he'll love it. I think he'll really relish the chance to play. Get some plays that he knows in front of the, the home fans. And I think he'll realise this could be a big moment for him. So for me... I would like to see that. I can't really see it happen, but for me, I think that would be a really nice twist. Yeah, well, maybe that's the kind of enthusiasm that Guardiola wants, you know. In terms of saying everyone needs to learn from Zinchenko, maybe look at Phil Foden to to lead by by example and come in and show a bit of energy. But yeah, I mean, I can't really see it. And you you asked about the midfield, and I said earlier it was going to be a battle, because don't forget, for all these good players they've got who are good at carrying the ball, good on the counter-attack, they've got Mark Noble and Robert Snodgrass who are going to scrap for absolutely everything. So... It's going to be it's going to be a long night at the Etihad. I think it's going it is going to be well. You don't want to say a, a potentially pivotal night in the title race because there's eleven games to go and they're all yeah. going to be like that. But it's it it's not as easy as it looks on paper. It could be a bit of a, an audition as well for Declan Rice. You know, obviously he's been linked to him a lot, and there's always that kind of fear factor when you see players who've got not something to prove as such, but they see the links. Players are aware of this, aren't they? They all see it. And then they tend to, like you look at Endo Bailey as well against City, he was fantastic. And uh, it could be a chance for him to show that he could be the long-term successor to Fernandinho. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. It's not necessarily something to prove, but it'll be a big platform and it'll be one of the biggest games that he's played in as a player today. You know, he's still young and... Um, those players tend to rise to the occasion in the same way that for Phil Foden. You know, to, if he was to start tomorrow, it would be a massive occasion for Phil Foden. You want to see him rise to it and put in a 110% performance. So there's players there to watch. There's things to be nervous about, but you've got a back city. I mean, look at the form that we're in. We've been we've been immense lately and you, you hope that we're up for it. We use the, the win at the weekend as motivation to, after Guardiola's sort of put out his battle cry in the press conference. Let's go for it and let's go all guns blazing. Hopefully we'll be teaming up before 20 minutes, as we have done so many times this season. Yeah, well, Aguero's back at the Etihad, isn't he? So, what, minimum three goals from him? <laughs> what, <laughs> was the yeah, first player to get a hat-trick? It could be the first player, of course, to get a hat-trick in three consecutive home games. Has that been done before? Three consecutive, of course, probably not, has it? Never in the Premier League. I'm sure, you know, there's always one of these back in 1948. Dixie <laughs> yeah. um, Dean, normally, isn't it? Yeah, normally Dixie Dean, pretty much the answer to most kind of goal-scoring questions. <laughs> but but that, that's mad, isn't it? He's but, had two successive home hat-tricks. Against Arsenal and Chelsea as well. So. Nonetheless. No less. And also, City... Um, have uh, they've scored at least two goals in their last 15 home games yeah it's it's normally a bloodbath isn't it so it could be it it, it could just be a lot of really good games tomorrow night yeah that'd be nice a good game to watch but a lot of goals and go go and send that message to Guardiola once and you know send it to Liverpool as well I can't really see Pellegrini actually sitting back as well weirdly I think they'll take um, a kind of aggressive take to the game and I think they'll actually play into our hands but also they'll probably see the fact that we have got tired players and see the fact that we've got you know something approaching a second choice defensive lineup and no Fernandinho I think they're going to go for us. It could be one of those kind of classic Keegan kind of games where we just got out score them, really. Um, and on that front, to me, that shows that we probably should play the likes of Sane, uh, you know, with a bit of pace down the wing. Manchester City Football Social. Thank you very much for listening to the Manchester Football Social with Bleeding Rising. Don't forget, if you want to catch every single episode of this, search Manchester Football Social, uh, Man City Football Social even, on your podcast providers. You can get every single episode delivered to your phones, your, your laptops, whatever else you listen to. Guys, my name is Stephen. Alex and Sam are in the studio with me. Guys, say goodbye. Try, right, guys. Goodbye. And we'll see you soon. <laughs>